And welcome to another episode of Battleground Florida. I am Christopher Heath coming to you from the Parish Medical Center podcast studio. Today, our guest is Nancy Alvarez, a colleague of mine, a reporter and anchor here at Channel 9, and most recently reported from Puerto Rico as that island went through some tumultuous times and a change in leadership. You've been here longer than I have, which is is starting to get kind of... Yeah. Shows shows my age, not so much <laughs> yours. You were a very young person when you, we started here. Nancy Alvarez, and you just got back from Puerto Rico. And I want to ask about what that was like, because this is something that it, it really seems like it just started almost out of nowhere. There's always been yeah. kind of rumors of corruption going on, sure. and also these text messages drop. And the next thing you know, people are in the streets, and th- there's a changing in the government. Yeah, it was an extraordinary experience. I don't even know... What other way to describe it? I don't know that I'll ever see anything like that again in my lifetime. Um, it was surreal. Um, and you, you said it, it really seemed like it came out of nowhere. You know, I don't know if Puerto Ricans would feel the same way because they have observed generation after generation of corruption on that island and allegations of corruption and rumors of this and rumors of that. But the key word there is observed. I think for many, many years, you know, Puerto Rican families just observed and watched what was happening around them feeling helpless. And I think Hurricane Maria empowered a new generation of Puerto Ricans. Because, I mean, it it hit the island so hard that it was kind of like, you know, we were willing to put up with X, Y, and Z, but you know what, this is just, that's a bridge too far. It was the last straw. It was the absolute last straw for people on that island, and frankly, people here in Central Florida, which we can talk about that more, but... Man, there is such a strong connection uh, between here and there. Um, it's it's unbelievable. I was there less than an hour uh, in front of La Fortaleza in San Juan, and I found people from Orlando, people with family in Daytona. Oh, my sister lives in Kissimmee. Oh, yes, I lived in Orlando, but now I moved back. I'm moving back again. I mean, I really, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, you, you, you hear the running to. joke that there's more Puerto Ricans in Kissimmee than there are in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and in Puerto Rico, they call Central Florida the other municipality. <laughs> That's what they refer to us as. So, um, you know, we're, we're sort of one community, really. I, I, I look at it as, as the bureau, you know, the, the Channel 9 Puerto Rico Bureau, um, because it, it is really, truly uh, that tight-knit, and, and, and the connections are everywhere. I, it was not hard. I literally just walked around the crowd saying, Alguien es Orlando. Alguien aquí de la Florida Central. Si, mira aquí, aquí. Hi, I'm from Orlando. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I mean, you, just, you were telling me you got down there, and yeah. it's like, everybody's like, oh, I speak English. And you're like, what? what, 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 what no, what, what, I had an easier time finding people who spoke English in San Juan than I have had in Kissimmee for sound bites. Like I've stood in a parking lot in Kissimmee waiting for somebody to speak English to me for Channel 9, whereas I'm in the middle of San Juan and everyone spoke English, so it doesn't make any sense. But. It was, it was. I mean, to see you down there was one of those things where it was like, oh, wow, Nancy's down there. And then it was also like, yeah, of course she's down there. <laughs> Anytime there's a problem in Central America, South America, it is Nancy Alvarez. We are, we are dispatching <laughs> down there. What was that like when they came to you and they're like, listen, you're aware something's going mm-hmm. on in Puerto Rico pack your stuff, you're on a plane. Well, we were aware for about a week and we were watching, you know, from here and we had some conversations, you know, uh, with our management about when was a good time to go. Cause I also anchor the morning show. It's this thing I do on the side. It's like a little side hustle is, little, is the morning news uh, here niche, at Channel 9. Newscast, yes. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my newscast and we're just moving along. And I did a couple stories here, you know, on this end with a lot of people in the Puerto Rican community here who were watching what was happening back there. And those were important stories to do too, because there's all these allegations of money that was 
misused or, you know, mishandled and, and supplies that, that were mishandled after Hurricane Maria, well, a lot of those supplies and a lot of that money may have come from here. I mean, this community stepped up in a huge way here in Orlando, Kissimmee, Volusia County. People held fundraisers. People donated, you know, you name it. And now to hear that donations may be at the center of some of these investigations of things that were mishandled after the hurricane, I mean, that has a direct impact on us here. You know, we worked for that. You know, we, 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 that was remember, a big effort. I remember seeing, you know, we covered a lot of these drives because mm -hmm. the devastation on that island was so widespread and there were so right. many people that it was like, I have a cousin living there. Oh, my parents right. still live there. And, and you wanted to do something because yeah. you felt so almost helpless. So we, you know, we did those stories for about a week. We, we spoke to people here, community leaders here. And I just want to bring up this point, you know, Chris, and I hope this doesn't get edited out <laughs> the podcast. Community leaders here, I spoke to a school board member, a pastor, uh, a man who works for Latino justice uh, here locally in our community, and they all say one thing, the same thing. If there is no stability in Puerto Rico, it will have a direct impact on Central Florida. How so? Because families will keep coming. If you are a mom and a dad and you have little kids and you look around and schools are closing in your neighborhood or your pension's being cut or your job is being cut. Or the electrical the, grid is not reliable. Or the reliable. electrical grid is not yeah. reliable. Hello. And you look around, and that cousin in Kissimmee or that sister in Orlando is telling you about how much better it is here. You're going to make the leap. You're going to move uh, for the future of your kids. And that impacts all of us. That impacts our schools, our roads, our housing market. Hello. We have a housing crisis here already. We have a housing crisis, but it's not just that. It's also the schools have to, sure. you know, have to realize that you could have, at the start of the school year, 10,000 kids, and by the end of the school year, you're up to 1,200, mm -hmm. you know, more being pumped in because it's just that quick. Yeah, so my message, you know, to people in Central Florida, you know, if you're not Puerto Rican, if you don't know a Puerto Rican, you know, if there isn't a Puerto Rican in your life, your neighbor, or whatever, still pay attention to this because it, it will impact us. It will. I always tell people, and it's and I think it's one of these things that we appreciate here and maybe, you know, in, in parts of the Northeast where there's a large Puerto Rican community, that when Puerto Ricans move to the United States, it's the same as somebody from Tennessee moving to Florida. Sure. They're, they're moving. They're right. not, they're not, immigrating they're mm -hmm. not they're not moving in a different country they are quite literally just moving yeah. from one part of the US to the other but by the same token we don't view Puerto Rico the same way we view Tennessee right. or Georgia and i think that, that that comes to the next thing i want to get to is mm -hmm. What does all this mean for the push for statehood? That was kind of a nebulous question right. before the change in government. Now you have a new government kind of being formed is there a consensus? Does this move that needle or we wait and know. see still? I think we're still really wait and see. Um, I, you know, I think that's going to depend largely upon what happens next, upon who is the next governor. But even then, even when a new governor is appointed, there is still so much to sort through. Puerto Rico has got to get so much in order before it launches itself into that part, you know, of this mission. I think Ricardo Rosselló, you know, used that attention that Puerto Rico was getting to bring that statehood issue back. And I think that was good. I think it's good to have that conversation. And it got a lot more attention than it ever has before because of Hurricane Maria. So I understand that tactic. But you got to fix it first. You know, I mean, you fly into to San Juan and you look down from the airplane and they're just blue tarps everywhere. And it's going to be two years soon since it's hurricane hit. So I think there's just some priorities first, you know, before they, they deep, they 
dive deeply into that next argument and that next call for statehood. Because I think that that's one of the uncomfortable conversations that there are parts of the United States, the continental United States, the, the 50 states we think of, and we say, you know, they're not going to embrace bringing Puerto Rico on as a state if it is still plagued by all these right. problems, which I don't know that that's necessarily fair to Puerto no, Rico exactly. in so much as we have stacked the deck kind of against the island and now said, well, how come you're not in better shape? Mm -hmm. We haven't treated you like a state, but we want you to conduct yourself as one. And, and I don't know that what we saw in the last couple of weeks changes that because there is this flux in the government. But do people on the island feel that, okay, we've kind of got the, the bad out, we've got the new coming in, things will get better, or is it like... You know, new boss, same as the old boss. It's complicated, right? It's very complicated, and it's changing as we speak. I mean, you know, now he's not, he's apparently nominated a new secretary of state who will now be the governor because the secretary of the Department of Justice, who was next in line, said she didn't want the job. How about that development over the weekend? I mean, I couldn't believe it. She's like, no, you know, I'm good. Thanks. I'm, I don't, I don't want to do that. So now, you know, everything is still in flux. Um, but it's just complicated. You know, there's layers upon layers of, of what could still happen. I don't think, you know, it's just the governor. I think it's also just the culture, you know, in Puerto Rico on a government level, right? You know, there's, there's the culture of, and it goes down to the municipalities. I mean, there's just so much uh, that they have to look at. And I don't think it, it's going to end at just the governor's office. How much trouble was Roseo in before the texts came out? The texts were obviously the straw that broke the camel back, camel's yeah. back. But, I mean, when you think about some of the problems on the island post-Maria, he was not on the strongest of footing, but he could have probably survived politically. Right. Even then, it was just allegations of this, allegations of that. I think there was a lot of allegations that he knew about certain things that were happening and looked away. Uh, that was probably one of the most you know, prominent things that he was dealing with before the texts. Um, a lot of people will tell you that that chat message just wasn't it. You're right. It was the thing that, you know, drew out, I guess, the emotions in people. People were absolutely outraged about references to victims of Hurricane Maria. I mean, you know, I was standing outside of, of La Fortaleza there in San Juan where all the protests were happening. And maybe about once an hour on average, I would say, every hour and a half, someone would show up with just these massive like floral arrangements for the victims of Maria. And the whole crowd would get quiet and everyone would just stop, and these people would place these flowers on these barricades in front of the police officers that were in front of the government building there. And it was just sort of like that hourly reminder of who this is for. You know, that was the last straw. Thousands of people died in Puerto Rico. How could that, how could that happen in, in this day and age? You know, how can that be that there was just such a lack of preparation and the lack of response? And I was there. I mean, I was there in those days after, and it was just one of the most surreal experiences of my life, just the chaos and the unanswered questions. And you were sent from one place to another. And that was just me trying to get a question answered. Can you imagine a family trying to get supplies or you, to a you shelter? You know, at the end I of mean, this assignment, just, you get to get on a plane and come back to Orlando. Right. These people are stuck there, you know, and, and I was just getting the most bizarre answers. I remember I asked the mayor of a municipality, a pretty big one, this was like three or four days after the hurricane. How many deaths? Do you have deaths in your municipality? Have people died there? Yes, yes, we have deaths, but it's just natural deaths. Natural, what? What? How can you, how do you know that? How can you possibly say a few days after this hurricane that everyone that died in your town died from natural causes? 
what? You know, so just from the get-go, I just had this feeling like something just isn't right here in the way this is being handled and the way this is being communicated to the world. This response is, is confusing, chaotic, and, and the result was thousands of people dead. And that's unacceptable. Have things gotten, I mean, just on a, on a pure infrastructure level, you mentioned the blue tarps, but I mean, have things gotten noticeably better in the two years since? I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I guess, I don't know. Every time I go back, I'm like, oh, look, that traffic light's working. That wasn't working last time I was here. You know, there's traffic is better. I was terrified of driving through Puerto Rico on those first couple of trips because you get to intersections, there were no signals working anywhere. But they got really good at it. Let me tell you, those four-way stops, I mean, a hurricane comes here and we lose our... our our streetlights and oh, yeah, no. we flip out. Oh my God, what are we going to do? But a, week without, a week without AC <laughs> and the, the phone lines here at Channel 9 yeah. and emails get lit up. So it it's months and months and months of, of literally learning to drive with no traffic signals anywhere. And they got pretty good at it. So. I want to ask you something. It's a bit of a personal question. When, when they mm -hmm. do send you out, and the last time you went, you went with your husband, who's mm -hmm. a photographer here, that has got to be, as parents, <laughs> a... We're, we're heading out. Mom and dad are gone. Um, <laughs> right. We'll be back. So I have a, a, a daughter who just turned six and she'll say, oh, you going at Puerto Rico? You going at like I'm going to Target like or something? I don't you're know. You're swinging by Puerto Rico. Yeah. I'm just, oh, mommy's at Puerto Rico. So it's not, she's at Publix. She's at Puerto Rico. And she's coming back in a couple of days. So uh, it, it has been interesting, but um, it it's part of the story for me um, because, for example, my son is eight and he's going into third grade, and he has yet to have a teacher in his life who is not Puerto Rican. So that just shows you, you know, the community here in Central Florida. So for him, it was really easy to understand, you know. It was like, oh, you're going to go help Miss Ortega's family. Yes. <laughs> I never really saw Miss Ortega's family. That was his teacher. But yes, he got it, you know. These people are in his life, and he loves them. He loved his teachers. So he's like, yes, mommy, go, go to Puerto Rico and, and help. Like, okay. I mean, you know, I'm just doing what I can, but they fully understand. Um, and then I took them uh, last fall on one of my trips to cover, uh, you know, the latest there or whatever. I brought them with me and we visited schools and neighborhoods that closed down and we had conversations about why they actually made a little video for their school. Uh, for the district. And they talked about how we're getting all these new students because schools are closing in Puerto Rico and we have to welcome them and help them in any way we can. So I've kind of turned it into a a lesson, a life lesson, I guess, for my kids. A family way. project. That's, yeah. that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. and, and they come back and they now have an appreciation, but also kind of they have a touchstone for mm -hmm. it. I mean, obviously your daughter still refers to it as the trip to Publix, but right. I mean, it's, but it's still, it's a place they can textualize. Yeah. And I, and I think it's important for kids here, especially here that are growing up in central Florida. It is so amazing, but not everywhere is Disney world, right? I mean, my gosh, my kids are so lucky, right? Our kids are so lucky. You drive down I-4 and there's a volcano with slides yeah. coming out of it and it's magical. This As I told Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, <laughs> I don't know why you're traveling the globe. Epcot's right I mean, here. It's you right can there. hit nine right. countries. And, and you're done. And it's, yeah, it's an afternoon. <laughs> why, I don't know why you're going to all these places. Exactly. You got them right here. Be home by nine. Um, but you got to watch the fireworks. So you'd be home a little later than that. Um, but um, it's, it's important for me, for them, to see the world and know that, you know, not everywhere is as magical and as amazing as the place where they're growing up. We're very, very lucky here. So it was very interesting because uh, they just happened to be with my sister because it was a week where we didn't have them in a camp. So they stayed with her and then my husband and I were on our own. And 
I think he had these like, um, you know, this notion that we were going to go out to dinner and we were going to like spend, you know, date nights. And then he blinked and he was in San Juan and there's like a lady banging pots and pans next to his head. But hey. <laughs> so the, the protest being there on the street, because mm-hmm. I saw so many images and it just looked like just a crush of people mm-hmm. out there and th- they weren't going anywhere. For the most part, it didn't look like there was there were you know widespread violence. There were times no. at which there was tear gas. I know got sure. shot into the crowd, but this very much seemed like a grassroots, very peaceful demonstration that also was making it known. We're not going away. Oh, my gosh. You're not going to wait us out. I'm going to try to describe to you what I saw without crying, okay? Because you know it's my thing. I cry a lot. So here we go. It was incredible. It was it was little kids waving flags. It was abuelas and abuelos, little grandmas and grandpas banging pots and pans. I saw these sweet little women walking down the street in Bayamón together. I mean, late at night. They're in their 70s. They've been neighbors for 50 years. And they're walking arm in arm. And they're chanting and banging on pots and pans, saying there's nowhere in the world they'd rather be. And then, you know, these are women in their 70s, so think about how what how much they've seen over the course of their lives and in and, and the government in Puerto Rico. And they said they were so inspired by the young people that really, you know, started this movement. I mean, it was a lot of celebrities and, and then young people that really poured out in the streets at first, and then everyone else sort of joined in. Uh, families, kids, you know, strollers, moms holding umbrellas over their kids because it was so hot and the sun is just baking on everyone. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of young people, a lot of what we you know, millennials, you know, with their signs and and it was um, it was just incredible to see. I mean, yeah, you know, you're always going to get a certain element, you know, late, 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 late at night, and the police do have to come out because you know it wasn't like an official curfew, but you know, I didn't want people out there at one o'clock in the morning. Um, and then the day, oh my God, the day, Chris, the day he resigned. I don't even know where to begin with this day. We got up around, I don't know, so, so early. And already the morning shows were saying that a resignation was imminent, that it could come at any moment. And so those things, as a reporter out mm-hmm. in the field, mm-hmm. and I don't know that people appreciate this, you're out in the field, you are immersed in this. You're mm-hmm. trying to talk to people and you're kind of at the very grassroots level. And then right. you get a call from the desk or from, from the office back here in Orlando. And they're like, hey, we're seeing on this that this right. is happening. Can you confirm? And it's like... To who? Right. I'm out here talking to people who are marching and holding up signs and banging mm-hmm. pots and pans. I, I can't ask them if the governor's turned oh. in his resignation. Oh, but here's the other, here's the thing. You could, because I have all kinds of phone numbers in this little phone. You can't see it, but I'm, I'm holding my phone right here. And I have all kinds of phone numbers for people in the government in Puerto Rico who I could have, uh, who I did call. Yeah. No one was answering the phone no, at that no. juncture. Nobody is going to say anything. You know, I think any reporter that was there was probably calling everyone they can think of to get any kind of confirmation or at least a timetable, anything. No one was answering the phone. In it's fact, not official till it's official. In fact, I don't even know who, who I was calling that still worked for the government because everything was changing and people were resigning left and right or being fired or I, it was just chaos. So I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm hearing that this is imminent. I kept using that word. And I we rushed out there. I think we were in San Juan right there, you know, in old San Juan in front of the, the government building, La Fortaleza. I think we got, I don't know, 8.30 in the morning or something. It was madness. Um, people started arriving because they were hearing the same thing. Any minute now, there's going to be an announcement. We stood there. We stood there. We did a report for our noon newscast. Two o'clock in the afternoon, they called all these reporters for a press press conference in La Fortaleza. Two o'clock, oh my God, here it comes. 
So about maybe one o'clock, I want to say, the crowd, you know, really start, people started arriving. Here it comes. This announcement's going to come at two o'clock. Oh my God, this is so exciting. So all these reporters go into the Fortaleza. I decided, thank God, to stay outside because we had ABC News. Yeah. Our partners at the network, they went in with their camera and we sort of said, okay, well, you guys get what you get in there. I'll get what I get out here and we'll, we'll share it, yeah. right? Can't be in two places at once. So they go in, I stay outside, crowd keeps growing. Oh my God, here comes this announcement. I huddle in a gift shop with this woman who was managing the gift shop in old San Juan in front of her iPad and we're watching it together and we're watching a live picture of a podium. Ooh, that's good TV. Yeah, so good. So this podium, right? It's just sitting there and it has microphones on it. And there's all these reports. I watched that podium for two hours. Ooh, very a, good TV. In a gift shop. In a gift shop. <laughs> two hours, Chris. And then the crowd just kept growing and growing and growing. And people just huddled around their phones again, watching this stupid podium that I have nightmares about. The podium <laughs> just standing there. Nothing. The podium didn't resign. That's, the podium did not resign. The podium didn't even comment. <laughs> the podium said nothing. Two hours later... Everybody gets kicked out of the government building. All the reporters have to leave. What? What? So then the crowd really starts to pick up. Yeah. Because I think some people maybe were watching it at home on TV and thought, okay, this is going to happen. We're going to watch They wanted the twist ending of the podium story. When those people, when the podium went away and nothing happened, people lost their can you can you curse on the podcast? I mean, try it. So, <laughs> I, I don't know what your contract at Channel Nine oh says, but give, give it a whip. Um, I lost my, and I'd only been there two days. So can you imagine? People have been protesting for two weeks in the hot sun. So that's when really it kind of reached like a fever pitch. People were like, okay, this is ridiculous. Um, a couple celebrities started showing up and then the hours went on and then it was, well, maybe he recorded a message. We're hearing he recorded a message, but that's not been confirmed. No one to this day has explained to me why we had to watch that stupid podium for two hours. I still don't understand what that was about, why they called the press conference and then they canceled it. Um, so that official announcement did not come until after 11 30 at night. And by then, you could not move. Seven and a half hours of people just being kind of jerked around with, it's coming, <sighs> it's not, it's not. Because this had been a, a back and forth. It's, oh, mm -hmm. I, I won't seek re-election. Right. Everybody's like, no, 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 yeah. no, that, that ain't going to cut it, pal. Um, we, you're going to need to step down. No, 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 I just won't seek re-election. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay, I guess. It became untenable at some point. Right. He thought that would be enough. I mean, he thought that he would be able to appease people with, with that. Um, but no, they wanted real change and they got it. I want to wrap up on that because the question obviously going forward is what will real change look like? How will we know that there's been real change? And is it just too easy for the island to revert to the mean, to go back yeah. to what it has been for the last decade or so? And what does that mean for the people? They obviously had a moment out in the streets where they the mass of people made change happen. Right. What happens if everything goes back to the way it was? Does that spark fade or does that spark get rekindled? I, I hope it doesn't. I mean, it's up to them, right? It's up to the people of Puerto Rico and people here in Central Florida, you know, doing the same, supporting them, um, supporting them from here. I think, you know, people here speaking loudly on this issue and standing up for it could also get some attention on it. But it's in their hands now. They made it happen. They did it. In just over two weeks, they created huge change on that island, but it's only just beginning. And it's really up to them, you know, to keep it going and to demand transparency and to demand 
a new way of doing business on that island. And I think I think Washington too needs to to step up as well and get very involved. We're talking about billions of dollars in our money, still headed that way for hurricane recovery. We need to ask more questions about where it's going. We need to, to do better uh, about keeping track of it. And I think more demands on that could, could create even more change there. Viewing Puerto Rico as not a political football, but as just another part of the United States that is still hurting mm-hmm. from a tragedy. Yeah. And they deserve our respect and our attention. Nancy, I appreciate this. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for sharing your insight. This, is, this has been fascinating. <laughs> and for somebody like me that, that you know, grew up in Texas and, and has learned more about Puerto Rico in the last six years of living here, this, is, this has been fascinating. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. And I want to thank Nancy for stopping by. She's um, left the podcast studio now, so I can talk to you about subscribing to this podcast. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your favorite podcast. We're going to keep trying to do a couple of these a week, maybe one, maybe two. Try and get them out there. But if you like what you hear, give us a rating and a written review. Subscribe to this. Tell your friends about it. And we're going to keep trying to put out more of these podcasts that at least I find interesting and hopefully you do too. For now, we'll talk to you later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.